Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That portion of God's word which we consider this morning, the Holy Spirit caused the evangelist Luke to write for our comfort and our learning, and we place a special emphasis on these words of Jesus. So the master commended his unjust steward because he had dealt more shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, many spend their lives in fretting over trifles and in getting things that have no solid ground. I shall strive to win a treasure that will bring me lasting pleasure and that now is seldom found. Amen. The Apostle John writes in his first epistle, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, but walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. God is light. What does this mean? He is uncreated light. We just confess that Jesus, the Son of God, is light of light, or light from light. This means that he sees everything. He knows everything. Jesus says in in the Gospels, the light of the, the lamp of the body is the eye. And if the eye is good, the whole body is full of light. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? The light is the truth. The light is the glory and honor and majesty of the God who created and formed the dry land, created every creature you see, the flowers and all the meadows, who gave you your eyes and ears, your eyes to see and your ears to hear. When we talk of God being light, we are speaking of an infinite knowledge, purity, from whom nothing is hidden. And so to be a child of the light means that you see. He's not talking about seeing with your eyes. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world that the blind may be made to see, and those who see may be made blind. And if you'll remember, Jesus called the Pharisees, who were very strict with the law, blind leaders of the blind. If the blind leads the blind, will they not both fall into the ditch? So what is the darkness? The darkness is sin. Sin is lawlessness, and the law has one simple command, and that is to love. You must love God above all things because he is the source of all love. And to love him above all things is the greatest thing that you could possibly do. He wouldn't make you not to love him, not to desire him more than anything else. And also to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. That's the law. That is light. If you walk in that light, then you will be the light of God. You will reflect it at least, not be it. You will reflect it. And when you don't, then you are in darkness. And that is the law. So, for example, to steal what doesn't belong to you is darkness. You're not seeing correctly. You're not seeing that you don't have the authority to do that. 
or to be greedy and hoard everything only for yourself and not think of anyone else is darkness. God didn't give you stuff just for yourself. He wants you to love your neighbor. He wants you to support the preaching of the gospel. It's darkness. So why then does Jesus take this example of an unjust steward who totally steals from his master just to advance himself? It's an act and a work of darkness. Well, the main point here, you know, we're taught at seminary, you have to find the point of comparison, is the shrewdness. This guy knows how to take care of himself. He goes and he takes what's not his and then uses it to make friends so that he has a place to stay and he's not homeless, so that he doesn't have to work or beg. He's shrewd. The sons of this age, of this world, are shrewder or more clever than the sons of light. Now, who are the sons of light? The sons of light are those who have seen in the light of God's countenance, as Moses says, your secret sins. That the law actually reveals not just what you do and what other people see, but it is a, it is a sword that will pierce through and show you in every crevice of your heart what is wrong with you. Why don't you love? Why did you do that? Why were you angry? Why were you greedy? Why did you waste this? Why did you treat this person this way? Why did you use this person for your own pleasure with no thought for that person's welfare? Why did you ignore God, never pray to him? Now, you visitors, this is something I say. If the church ain't crying, the church is dying. I can't wait till she joins choir. So, The light of the law only reveals what is in us. Uh, as we sing in the hymn, the law is but a mirror bright to bring the inbred sin to light that lurks within our nature. It's true. You can't deny the law. Everybody has it. The headhunters in New Guinea had laws. Cannibals have laws. Serial killers have laws. You can't get away from it. They may twist them, but everybody knows that you shouldn't murder. They might disagree on what's murder. Everyone knows you shouldn't cheat on your partner. They may disagree about what marriage is and whatever, or divorce. Everybody knows you shouldn't steal. Even the communists it's who stole everything made it a law not to steal. In that light of the law, people want to diminish. They want to shadow it. They want to show from their lives that they are actually following it so they look good to other people. But that doesn't make them children of light. Because the law requires pure desires and good decisions that are based on a certain love and trust in God. And so the law, even though it is a light, it does not show you to be a child of the light. Instead, it condemns you. By the law is the knowledge of sin. Paul goes so far as to call it the ministry of death. And it had a glory, a light, because it shows you. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It shows you what's right and what's wrong. You don't need the Ten Commandments for that. But what Jesus does is he reveals the true motives of the heart. And when he tells us to make friends by means of unrighteous mammon, he is challenging us to examine our lives and our hearts and how we treat the earthly goods that he has given us. So the word mammon is an Aramaic word. 
which kind of means money, but it means anything that's more than daily bread, anything you need beyond food and clothing. So what Jesus wants us to do is to see things in the proper perspective. Christians don't, the reason that the children of light aren't as shrewd is not only because God doesn't call the wise according to this age or according to the flesh, he calls a lot of stupid people, like me. We're sheep. He calls us sheep. That means he calls us stupid. But it is also because children of the light aren't looking at things the same way. Paul says, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, and the things that are not seen are eternal. We walk by faith and not by sight. Now, where does this faith come from? It comes when a, a light that is brighter than the law that condemns you shines in your life. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. That means he, sh he shows you something that your own heart can't show you. He makes something appear to you that the world would never give to you. He shows you what you can't produce with your hands, what you can't search the world over and find, but you can only hear it. And it is the light that shone on Christmas Eve that brought the shepherds to see a little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. God hides the light in the flesh of a baby boy. He hides it. All of his glory. One time on the mountain of transfiguration, he showed his glory and his face shone like the sun, you remember. So that Peter, James, and John would remember this, but he hid it. He hid his glory. He hid the light. And the only light he gave were the words of his mouth and the suffering and death that he endured. It was dark for three hours when Jesus died on the cross. There was darkness. They even... I read something somewhere about a Chinese guy uh, mentioning things getting dark, weird, at the same time. It got dark for three hours. Why? Why do that? Because there's the light. When the law shows you the darkness inside of you, when you see how you have not been patient with God but have grumbled against him, when you have, instead of calling on him in times of temptation, and he would give you a way out, you instead have listened to the desires of your own flesh and heart. When you have not rested in his love and mercy, but instead have rested in, in too much pleasure and your own work. When you have ruined relationships, it's your fault. When you've made impure what should be pure, and you've been lazy and thought only of yourself, and that light of the law shows more and more darkness in you. It is then that you need to know who was in the darkness for you, where the light is found. The light is found when you see that darkness of sin, because that's where Jesus went for you. All of the light, the light that is uncreated, that said, let there be light, and there was light, is hidden in the bloody, pierced, bruised and dying body of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, what did he do? 
He, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. For though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. He had everything. And he gave up everything. He had everything you could possibly want. He was an eternal joy with the Father and the Holy Spirit from all eternity. And yet the main, the greatest light is not the light of the law, but the light of the God who gave it and fulfilled it in our flesh, in our place. When he took the punishment that would have cast us out into the outer darkness, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, where all we are left with is our own sin and no God to comfort us because we didn't want him, but he wants you. And he shines that light in the gospel. He has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That is the good news of what this man has done for you. He has shown you what is truly precious. He has shown you the true riches. Do not store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Rather, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust can destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your treasure needs to be this cross of your Lord Jesus Christ. Because when your heart is with him, then in the darkness shines the light. No matter how sinful you have been, no matter how depressed you are, no matter what sorrow is in your life, no matter what cross you have to bear, if you can see Jesus by faith, then you are a child of the light. And that shines in you. Shines in you. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Well, what does that mean? We've already established that the children of light, because they're so busy looking at Jesus, they don't quite see things right, like the children of the world. I remember I was in a plane with my host mother, uh, traveling over the Alps into Switzerland. I was 17. And we had some big turbulence, like head hitting the top of the ceiling kind of turbulence, you know? And I, of course, started praying the Lord's Prayer. And she grabbed my arm and dug her nails in. I, like, drew blood. She was so scared because she's an atheist. And I was like, okay, so I prayed for her. And then some nice German voice said, oops, sorry about that. No, I'm just kidding. Didn't say that. Everything went fine. I like to tease the Germans, sorry. Uh, and she said to me, Mark, you don't understand. You have heaven to look forward to. That's what you believe, but I don't believe that. I just believe this is all there is. This is all I have, and i got to use the time I got. She was more serious about her time on earth than I was. She was she's much shrewder about it, too. If this is all you have, and you're a child of this age, of this world, then of course you're going to do as much as you can to get as much happiness and pleasure out of the few short years you have on this earth. And they're good at it. Look what the unjust steward did. He knows how to do it. He takes what doesn't belong to him and makes friends. Now, I was talking about this with Matthew Walker yesterday, who is now, I think, 93.7% Lutheran. Is that right? Okay. About how the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, right? Everything belongs to God. Everything is his. He created everything. Even our bodies and our minds don't belong to us. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. So we're like that steward, aren't we? Every single thing we have, our money, our goods, our house, our spouse, our children, cars, our clothes, all of this stuff isn't ours, truly. Now, I can't go up to you and say, hey, 
that's not really your car, so I'm going to take it. That's stealing. But before God, everything is his. He gave it. You didn't give yourself life. He didn't, you didn't say, I'd like to be born in nine months and then conceive yourself. God made you. And everything is his. So what should you do with something that doesn't belong to you? Well, you use it for good. Make friends by means of unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into a heavenly home. Now, the only way that you go into the heavenly home is through faith in Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other light. There is no one else to take our sin away. There's no one else who rose from the dead and paved the way for us to rise to. He is the light. And so how do you make friends? What do you go, hey, I'll give you $1,000 if you become a Christian. That doesn't work. Obviously not talking about that. What is he talking about? Well, make friends by means of unrighteous mammon. It means a couple things. First is, he calls it unrighteous, not because money is of itself bad. Paul says the love of money is a root of all evil, not money itself, right? And so he calls it unrighteous because it is so often abused. We walk about proudly and act as if we have life and home and family and wealth, all because of ourselves. What do we have that we have not received? And so he wants you to realize first that it is unrighteous. There are going to be temptations to use it only for yourself. And secondly, you use it for the preaching of the gospel. I am extremely grateful that I can go out on a Saturday evening and study and have a beer and meet some nice people and talk theology with them, and it helps me write my sermon. I can do that because you guys give money so that I have a place to live and I don't have to worry about money. I don't have to be concerned about it. You've even been so generous as to give me a sabbatical, which I'm very grateful for. We need preachers. Jesus says, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest, that he may send laborers into his harvest. When you give even the smallest penny, might, but with faith toward God, God takes that and he promotes his kingdom. It's as Paul, Paul says to the Galatians. He says, let him who hears share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not, be, uh, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. What a man sows, that will he also reap. For if you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. Sowing to the flesh is spending all of your mammon, everything that you have, on your own self. You're living for just yourself. Me, me, me. And when you get that, what do you have? Corruption. The person who gets more money is never satisfied and keeps getting more money. The person who is addicted to the sins of the flesh is never satisfied and always wants more and more. The person who's addicted to glory wants more and more glory, more and more power. That's how the way of this world is. And so they go for it, and they try to get it. But we walk by faith and not by sight. When we see this world lying in error, people not loving each other, people with broken homes and hearts and families, what is it that they need the most? What is it that you need the most in your life? What is your dearest treasure? Is it something that will pass away? 
What if your favorite thing were, I don't know, a 1979, what kind of truck is it, Mike? Yeah. What if that's your favorite thing, and then it breaks down, and then you don't have it anymore? You just lost your treasure. What if your treasure is your spouse? Your greatest treasure is your spouse. I love my wife so much. But what if she's my greatest treasure, and then God takes her away from me? My treasure is gone. What if it's your diploma? What if you get fired from your job for not being woke enough or something like that? There goes your treasure. What is your treasure? Isn't it that when you have nothing, when even the good works that you have done are sullied, stained, bad motives, evil desires, selfishness, that you can still come before the throne of God with boldness, knowing that he is merciful to you in his Son. And when he shines the light of the gospel upon you, he sees not one spot or fleck of sin in your entire body and soul. And to know that he regards you, that he shines his face on you and forgives you your sins constantly, this is the service is about. We confess our sins, you get forgiveness. We sing, Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. I preach the forgiveness of sins. And then you receive the forgiveness of sins when you eat Christ's body and drink his blood in this supper. That is your greatest treasure. If it isn't, then you are treasuring something that will pass away. And if that is your greatest treasure, then show it. Let your light shine. There's, you can support all sorts of things. You can support a campus ministry. You can support a school, something that takes care of children. Support this beautiful treasure, which when it is spread, people come and become Christians and are brought into the light. And then when you die, you see them and they welcome you where there is no sighing or tears because God has wiped it all away where there is only pure, beautiful light, and you, without dying and without blinking, can gaze at the face of God himself and see him smiling at you and saying, welcome home. That is your goal, because you are a child of the light. And so we walk in the light. If we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. That means we confess our sins. If we offend someone, we confess it. If we have done wrong, we bring it into the light. You don't have to say it out loud here. We have, you can come to the pastor and he can, I don't even, I might as well teach this. This is just nice to teach. You know, you've heard of the seal of confession, right? Lutherans have private confession. It's not compulsory or forced, but it's there for people for the sake of the comfort that the absolution gives, the forgiveness of sins. And one time I was, I went to my pastor and I, conf I confessed my sins and he read to me these passages from 1 John. What happens when the light hits the darkness? And he says, it shatters it. When you bring your sins into the light, what does God do to those sins? He removes them. But if you hide them in darkness, how can they be removed? And that's why right after this he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. To walk with dark, in, in darkness is to say we have no sin. But if we confess our sins, if we walk in the light, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
And that means that you can give whatever you want. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves it. He loves it when people give cheerfully. He doesn't want to snatch something out of your hand. It's already his. He doesn't need it. He wants you to support the preaching of that gospel, which will bring you through every trial on earth. And when the darkness of death closes your eyes, your faith will be light. And you will immediately see Jesus. That's what you want. That's what you want for your friends, for your neighbors, for everybody, for this community. That's why you tell people about it. And that's why you come here. Because we stray, and the darkness is so deep, not just out there, but often in our hearts. And you come back. You college students, I pray that you come back. No matter how bad things have gotten, you come back, and you know that you are going to meet a Jesus who loves you, and when he shines his light on you, you will not see yourself sinful and unclean, but righteous and pure, a child of light, a child of God, and an heir of heaven. God grant it to us all for Jesus' sake. Amen.